You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. is the number to call. Whatever it is you want to discuss on this Wednesday morning going on 5 a.m., the warm-up show with Al and Jerry. So we've done a lot of quarterback stuff with the Jets, of course. And, you know, the baseball stuff to me is intriguing when you look at now, can the Mets live up to the expectation? We're talking about before with one of the callers, how they're not on the Yankees level. Well, we know the Yankees have proven year in, year out that they do live up to making the postseason every year. All right, maybe they didn't win the World Series or haven't been in a World Series in 2009. But you know, you don't have to really think about it. The Yankees are making the playoffs. They do it basically every single year. The Mets aren't at that level yet because they haven't had a chance to prove themselves. Now, maybe they go out there this year and build off of what they did a year ago and get back to the postseason, whether it's winning the division whether it is just getting in as a wild card. And by the way, they are in what is likely going to be the toughest division in baseball, if not one of the toughest divisions in baseball with both the Braves and the Phillies competing you know, for a World Series as well, where obviously the Braves, you know, the mainstay and uh, World Series champs a couple of years ago have won the division how many years in a row now. Phillies, even though they struggled last year in the regular season to a certain extent, they got into the postseason and then go on that run to get to the World Series. Well, the Mets haven't had their run yet, and they have to now compete with both those teams within their own division. So that's one part of it, and that the division is going to be tough. And there is a realistic scenario where the Mets take a step back. I mean, I hate to think about that or say it, but with all these expectations, we've seen it before sometimes with teams with high expectations can, can fail. Now, I love that Buck is leading this thing. I think that that hurts the chances of a disappointing season or a significantly underachieving season with his leadership. But with the lack of work that they did on that lineup, you know, we touched on this yesterday. They're kind of thin in the outfield. Marte having potential injury questions and has had injury issues. You know, Alonzo, are you going to rely on him to do the exact same thing he did last year? Lindor basically playing every day and play to the high level. Is he going to be able to stay healthy and do the same thing? Now, I think though, you know, if you're going to count on guys to be consistent, those are two guys that could, but it's far from automatic to just say that the Mets, a franchise who is relatively new to success, are going to go out there 
and dominate the way that they did a year ago as far as the 101 wins. And that is a, look, you win 100 ball games. it's a dominating regular season. Even though it didn't result in a division win, it's a dominating regular season. And it would have felt more dominating if not for the Braves being as equally as dominant. But will the Mets be able to go out there and build off of last year? And at what point do you, you know, you got to turn the page on what happened a year ago. But it should stick with you to where they use it as a, I don't know if reference point is the right word, or maybe motivation a better example where they know. Had the Mets won the division last year and got ousted in the first round of the playoffs, it would have felt different. It would have felt like they completed their mission of the regular season, winning their division, and had a disappointing postseason. This team didn't finish out. They got swept by Atlanta. And it was a disappointing end to an otherwise spectacular regular season. And then they got ousted in the first round. And that is a knockout blow or two that you need to prove that you can recover from. Again, not quite the 2007-2008 collapse. But those are knockout blows that will really test a team. And there's no doubt it's in their mind because it happened. And let's just say that the Mets are fortunate enough, good enough, to have a five-game lead with a week left in the season or two weeks left in the season. Everybody's going to be thinking the same thing. Even though last year wasn't a collapse, and I know a lot of people like to say that it was. If the Mets have a lead in the division, Everybody's going to be saying, well, they got caught last year. It's not over yet. Until they actually close it out, we're not going to know that this group could close it out. And it's not like there are known commodities on this team where you you have an experienced team that's been in the postseason several times. Last year was the first taste of it. And really, in their two biggest series, they failed. Now, the positive side to it is that two of the guys who disappointed, well, I shouldn't say that. DeGrom was fine in the postseason. Matter of fact, he was their best postseason pitcher. He wasn't great in Atlanta. It wasn't vintage DeGrom, but he was still better than Bassett and Scherzer. But Bassett no longer here. Kodai Senga replaces him, and Verlander replaces DeGrom. Verlander, obviously a guy coming off a World Series win, Cy Young, all that stuff. The good news is that you hope those guys are healthy, and at least it's different with the top three, which was the biggest failure last year in the biggest spots, in Atlanta and then in you know against San Diego on the wild card at City Field. Those three guys didn't do their jobs. As for and and now you know two of those guys are gone. Even though Degrom, like I said, was the best one of the bunch, still he wasn't his dominant self. And the lineup is basically the same. You know that lineup would worry me with Alonzo and Lindor being really the only two legitimate power bats in that lineup run-producing bats in that lineup. 
It's a lot of pressure on both those guys. And you need eventually, I know I guess they're hoping it's Vogel back or maybe they're hoping it's Alvarez at some point, but they're going to need somebody to take some of the pressure off of those two as far as run producing. It can't just be two guys. Marte is the third guy in that lineup. But, you know, again, we saw last year, he's a guy who's getting older, he's a guy who's had injury issues. I worry about him staying healthy. And even if he does stay healthy and produce, it's they still are missing one more bat. They were missing it last year. They're missing it again now, which is why they went out there and tried to get Carlos Correa, which would have changed the entire offseason. So they still need that one more piece. It's not Vogelback. It's not Eduardo Escobar. Those guys may help, you know, be a little bit better going into the year. Remember, too, the Mets bullpen is better than it was a year ago on paper going in. And even the DH spot, with as much as I have disdain for Vogelback and Ruff, and, you you know, even if Ruff is not there, Tommy Pham, you know, potentially getting some at-bats at DH. Even with that, it's still better than what it was to start last year with Robinson Cano, J.D. Davis, and Dom Smith. Those three were extremely disappointing and frustrating to start the year. And really what was the only weak spot early on. I mean, catching too. Remember, you know, McCann was a major problem. They've upgraded there. DH was a major problem. And they haven't upgraded there, but have at least in-house options that should be better than whatever they had last year. And should be better relatively soon if needed. If Vogelback, Ruff don't get it going, assuming that that's going to be the DH combination. If those guys don't get it done early on, they can make the call and bring up Beatty and Alvarez and help out. But there's a there's a you know a spot there for the Mets to disappoint. Where it feels great going in. On paper, it's great. You know, remember, be careful with those expectations because a lot of times we've seen teams with high expectations and on paper being great go into a year and it's just not there for whatever reason. Now, the confidence that I have is that if it's not, Steve Cohen is going to do whatever he can to fix it ASAP. And generally, with their starting pitching, you know, that's as long as those guys stay healthy, that shouldn't be an issue. Now, it's a big if if they could stay healthy. All of them. I'm talking about Senga as well. Verlander, Scherzer, and Senga. If those guys stay healthy, you assume that the production is going to be there. You know, but there's a big question mark with Kodai Senga as well. Bassett, as much as I wanted them out of here because of what happened in Atlanta and then again against San Diego, he was reliable. Every fifth day, the guy took the mound. He was a terrific regular season, consistent performer for this team a year ago. They will miss him. Now, Senga has the upside to be maybe a little more dominant, but will he be as consistent? Will he be as durable, as reliable? Those are big question marks. Mets have some question marks here. For a 101-win team with the highest payroll in the sport, with new expectations that are basically World Series or bust, there's still some question marks for this team where you can see a scenario where things could go sideways, whether it's with injury or whether it's with poor performance. With the Yankees, I feel like there's a little bit more room for error where and and it's not just 
them themselves, but the Yankees even in a bad year. I mean, the Yankees in a bad year, people call up and complain they win 90-plus games. That's a bad year. So what's the floor for the Yankees? There's no way you can envision the Yankees missing the postseason. And with their division being a little bit easier, although Baltimore was good, maybe the Red Sox are a little bit better, maybe the Blue Jays are better this year. The Rays are always good. That division can be tough as well, as you know. But the Yankees have been proven time and time again. And I don't really see a scenario where even the worst case for the Yankees, I mean, I don't see a scenario where they're not making the postseason. And once they get there, they have the pitching now, at least on paper, assuming it stays healthy. The question is yet again going to be the same thing as it is every year. Will the offense be able to perform in the postseason? And it's funny, Steve Cohen mentioned on the Mets Up podcast with Howie Rose that, you know, the more opportunity the Mets have to put themselves in the postseason, at one point or another, they'll break through, right? That's the idea, I think, of a lot of front offices in Major League Baseball. Build a team that could get to the playoffs. The playoffs are a crapshoot. At some point, if you're in the playoffs enough, one of the years you'll break through. Well, that's been the Yankees' philosophy, and yet they haven't been able to break through since 2009. It's a long time ago now. For them especially, but that's a long time ago. So that philosophy doesn't always work either. Just, hey, yeah, get to the postseason and see if we break through. Took the Dodgers quite a while to break through, and it was only once. So that idea of, yeah, well, we'll be in the postseason and break through eventually, eh, no guarantees there either. I thought every year after 2017 was going to be the Yankees' year. 2018, nope, wrong. 2019, unfortunately, fell short again to the Astros. 2020, the Rays. No, 2021, a total regression, losing in the wild card game. And then obviously last year, getting back to the ALCS again, but yet again losing to the Astros for the third time. At some point, they got to get over the hump. And they didn't make the significant changes that maybe we thought that they should have made, whether it's the last couple of years. Boone, Cashman, players, they haven't made those significant changes either. And if they don't get through again this year, will those changes happen? I mean, I have no confidence that they will. Because ownership has shown the patience to go with Brian Cashman, obviously extending him. They did the same thing with Boone a year ago. But either way, high expectations for both these teams, Mets and Yankees, which is a great thing. Just a matter of if they're able to live up to them. We know the Yankees, you know, even though falling short of the World Series, they live up to the postseason. That's basically a given. The Mets still have to prove that they can get to that level as far as being a consistent playoff contender. They, they're they built to be, they should be, but will they be is a different story. 877-337-6666. Back to your calls on the side, whatever it is you want to discuss. Quarterback situation, NFL, uh, the Knicks, whatever it is that's on your mind with that. Obviously, the baseball in play as well with the Mets and the Yankees. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let them have it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds, boosts, and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app or Visit Superbook.com to start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 877-337-6666. A lot has been made about the age of the Mets pair of aces with Verlander and Scherzer. I kind of think that's being overblown. I mean, what's the difference? You have to, Would you rather have young guys who haven't been as established or as successful as Verlander and Scherzer, I mean, you can reference it and you can be cautious of relying on two guys who are, you know, 40 years old. But the idea that that's the main talking point to me has been a little bit overblown, where the focal point should be, think about it, the Mets rotation has Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer in it. And, you know, Scherzer's, uh, Verlander's coming off a, a, another Cy Young winning year and where he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And, look, they're making a ton of money, over $40 million bucks per year. The Mets will go as those two guys go. But I do feel like two things. One, because of the disappointment last year with the Mets starting rotation. Remember, they were built the same way last year with DeGrom and with Scherzer and Bassett to be a dominant top three rotation. And they had the season lined up the exact way that they wanted it. Going to Atlanta with those three guys lined up to go. They got swept. They had, again, those three guys on the mound lined up to go 
in the in the wild card round, they got beat two out of three. Well, they're still built the same way. Different guys, but they're still built the same way. And I feel like all the negative talk about Scherzer and Verlander, because it's mostly been about the age, and then it's been about the concern about those guys staying healthy. I feel like that is ruining to a certain extent what should be excitement about a rotation with two of the best pitchers that ever lived atop the rotation. You know, and between the Yankees and the Mets, I mean, you look at the rotations, they're both loaded. Maybe even the Yankees more so as far as the depth goes, where Yankees one through four with Cole, um, of course, Rodon, Cortez, and Severino. That is as good as you can get one through four. Mets are not as good there, but the top two may be better with Scherzer and Verlander. And it's also weird knowing that, you know, they're built for the postseason. You don't get Scherzer and Verlander to get through the regular season. I mean, it helps, but those guys are there to dominate in the postseason. And any year, and maybe the reason why I feel I'm starting to you know think about it a little bit more and feel better about it is because any time, if you were asking me the way I would build a team, similarly to the way I would build football teams, right? What do I always say? Inside out. Build in the trenches first, then you go outside of that. Well, in baseball, the way that I would always build a team would be to get the top guys in that rotation, really have an ace, and then a legitimate number two. You don't need two, three, four, five aces. You need one and a legitimate number two behind him, and a dominant closer. Well, the Mets have that. And the Yankees have the ace and a, a nice number two. I don't know if I would say they have a dominant closer, whoever that may be, Holmes, Loisaga, whatever, King. But the Mets do have it with Edwin Diaz. And you look at the top of the rotation, Verlander and Scherzer, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It'll be different without Jacob deGrom, but it'll also be different without talking about DeGrom and if he's going to make a start or not every you know every day. Oh, when's he going to come back? Is he healthy? Is he going to remain healthy? All of that. So it's going to be refreshing to not have to deal with that, although we, you know, come on, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on what DeGrom does in Texas. I can't let it go. Scorn lover on Valentine's Day, you know less. But with Verlander and Scherz, you get to watch those two back-to-back every, you know, you know, back-to-back in that rotation, and out there every five days, you get to see each one of them, uh, along with the excitement of Kodai Senga. The, you know, the Mets have that top of the rotation set, and, you know, as we touched on the bullpen a little bit before, with Edwin Diaz being as dominant a reliever as there was in the sport, isn't it crazy how Diaz went from, in 2019, maybe the... Worst reliever that I've ever seen. Maybe the least trustworthy reliever that I'd ever seen in my life. To now being the most trustworthy. I don't think I've ever trusted a closer more as a Mets fan than Edwin Diaz. Now, there is always the chance that he has a little bit of a drop-off in performance. You know, I know bullpens are fickle, but a guy like Diaz should be able, and I love this quote. Did you guys hear his quote yesterday? 
they were like, hey, can you, uh, you know, repeat the same thing you did last year? He's like, well, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing here. He said a, a long quote, but part of that quote was, I'm going to throw my two pitches, fastball slider, and strike everybody out again. I was like, yes, yes, you are. Now, if anything happened with Diaz, uh, the Mets would be in trouble. Although, as far as the fall off in performance, talking about, although they are built way better than they were a year ago. Where, you know, I also talk about not only the ace and then a legitimate number two in that rotation, but the triangle in the back end of the bullpen. Closer at the top of that triangle, and then you want two other guys that you can trust. And the Mets actually have a square back there with four guys that you can trust, assuming you trust Adovino. Brooks Raley is one, and he's a lefty, which helps. David Robertson, another. And Adovino. Even if you don't trust Adovino like me, and he was great last year, but I still didn't trust him, and I definitely don't trust him again this year. I feel like there'll be a drop-off in performance. Even with that, to bring him back as the fourth part of that trust triangle, or now trust square, I think that that's a great thing for the Mets. But, you know, sometimes you'll learn that the way things look on paper, and maybe Steve Cohen's going to learn this, let's hope not, the way things look on paper going in doesn't always play out that way. And there are changes that have to be made. And you know that whatever the roster is right now is not going to be the same that it's going to be at the end of the year, at the middle of the year. These things change. But it's nice to have the comfort of knowing that all the important spots are locked up. The hard things to get are the dominant closer. The hard things to get are the ace and number two pitcher in that rotation. Those are the hard things to get. And the Mets have all three of those things, closer and the two A's, and the Yankees have at least two of them with Cole and now Rodon. And we get to watch both of them. Now, you always are aware or concerned or, you know, maybe scared to think of the worst-case scenario, but the best-case scenario with a team that's as loaded as the Mets are you know, that's that's why you like the expectations because there have been years past where even at the best-case scenario, the team had no chance of winning a World Series. Well, now they do. And it, it is a weird feeling putting the Mets in that conversation to where they are now all about October because it really hasn't been like that in a very long time. If ever. I mean, maybe you want to go back to the 80s when the fan first started up. But, I'm, but you know, in 1987, Mets coming off the World Series win, of course. Yeah, maybe the expectations then were different. But, I mean, obviously they haven't won a World Series since then. So how could the expectations be World Series a bust every single year? Certain times, of course, that was the case. So basically it's been bust of those years. But... Putting the Mets in that back in that conversation now, it is a a weird feeling. To where if they don't anything short of that, it's going to be a disappointment. It's exciting knowing that you have both these teams that could be competing for a World Series championship, but it's also a little different with 
the Mets being a part of that equation now. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Talking a little Mets, talking a little Yankees. We're getting Jalen Brunson and the Knicks. Knicks play the Hawks tonight. They'll be back in action their final game before the All-Star break, which will somehow not include Jalen Brunson. Just does not make any sense to me. But what's the difference? It's the All-Star game. Who cares? Although I used to love the NBA All-Star game. I used to love All-Star weekend. Three-point shootout, dunk contest. Those were the best back in the day. Neek, Spud Webb, obviously Jordan, Hodges, Mark Price, D. Brown, Harold Miner. I'm just going over some of the guys. Obviously, Vince Carter, another big one. Um, you know, Larry Bird with the three-point shooting. I don't know. It was just I always loved the All-Star Weekend. Now it's I don't know. It's different. I guess nothing's the same as you get older. And the uniforms must be uh, used to be much better back then too. The old school, like '91. 92 NBA All-Star stuff. I love those uniforms. Anyway, the All-Star break coming up this weekend. Uh, So tonight, the Knicks' last game before. And and like we said, it doesn't matter if Jalen Brunson is an All-Star or not. We're fortunate here that we get to watch him on a nightly basis. And he's better than anything that we've seen in a very long time for the Knicks. I think he's better than Melo. Now, I know overall he's not going to be rated as highly as Carmelo Anthony was. But I think he's a better player. And a better fit for this town. And more fun to watch every single night. As opposed to Iso Mello. Not trying to rip Carmelo. But I always thought. yeah, it just Mello was never as great as he should have been here. And the Knicks overall were disappointing with him. Now will the Knicks be able to get a you know top five seed. Maybe with Brooklyn falling off a little bit. Because of trading KD and Kyrie. We'll see. But what will it mean? Could they win a first round? I feel like that's their max at this point. It's just a shame to think that they could have had Donovan Mitchell in this mix. And if that were the case, how much better could they be? And remember, too, you'd be taken away from the Cavaliers, which is a team that's in front of the Knicks in the Eastern Conference right now. We're down to 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Starts. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. is the number to call. Did you guys see, Marco, did you see the Colombian soccer player who got attacked on the field? Recently? Yeah. I mean, I saw it in the news recently. Let's see when it it actually happened. Fleegs, did you see this? No. No. Attacked by what? A, a, A fan. A Colombian soccer player. Oh, wait. I don't know if he was a... uh, It was a Colombian soccer fan that attacked a player on the field. Uh, Yeah, a Colombian soccer star was attacked on the field. I saw the video. It was actually scary. Um, I'm not going to get into the names of either the fan or the player because I have no idea 
who the hell it is or what. But the bottom line is, yeah, this happened February 12th is the video that was being shown. So it just happened recently. No, didn't hear anything about it. I mean, unfortunately, it's happened a few times. Well, so that's kind of why I was bringing it up. Like, I mean, we haven't seen that happen on a baseball field, right? I mean, I remember Monica Sellis, right, right? which is obviously a famous one, where she got stabbed Stabbed. uh, on the tennis court, which is just hard to even fathom. Right. Any other incidents that I'm forgetting? How close did you get to going after Clemens? <laughs> I, I was in the upper level, so I couldn't. So what would have happened if you were field level? I would have had to jump. Yeah, it's a possibility. All right. Hey, remember that time Clemens got attacked by that psycho, some dude named Sal in 2000 on the World Series? Yeah, that would have been me. But Monica Sellis famously. Right. Anybody else that we're forgetting? I'm sure that I can't think of anything else. Forget the top about of my like thrown. I'm not talking about stuff thrown. I mean like attacked. So this. Does Malice at the Palace count or no? Because no, he, uh, he kind of went. He went in. Yeah, they, they, that was the reverse. So what happened? I guess is I was trying to read the story. I guess this player played for this team. The the he was returning to the team that he used to play for, and the fans were getting on him, whatever. And it's, I, I think that that's the case. All these tweets are in a different language, so I don't understand it. But I read a little bit of the story, and it sounded like this player was returning to the team that he used to play for, and the crowd was giving it to him. And the next thing you know, one guy hops over the fence or whatever, the the barricade, mm-hmm. and jumps on the field and attacks the player, like punches him from behind, throws him down. The player gets up and then goes, chases this guy yeah. and knocks him down and starts kicking him. He was, you know, the the guy, obviously, the fan had to get arrested. The game got postponed or can't, like, they, they oh, didn't really? play the game. Yeah, but can you imagine that happening? And it, it's scary that it doesn't happen more. Can you imagine that happening on the on a baseball field? Yeah, I mean, because we've seen people run on fields before. They usually don't go after the players. And, I mean, we've seen a couple times, like, football players, you know, knock somebody down, clothesline somebody, tackle somebody. Fans running on the field, sure. Different, but an actually attack I'm sure there's something that we're forgetting, I remember, but I can't think of anything. I remember opening day 1995 after the strike at Shea Stadium. Mm-hmm. Brett Butler, I believe it was his first game as a Met. Fans were, it was nonstop. Fans running on the field, slotting into the bases. It was like a free-for-all. It happened in like every inning. Hmm. Guys throwing money, you know, because the fans yeah, were yeah, ticked yeah. off after the strike. Uh, going up to players, but not like... You know, threatening a player, or not even threatening, like going to physically punch right. a player. Right. I mean, I've seen at Yankee Stadium, and unfortunately, you know, batteries throwing at players. I remember right. they, they, opposing they were, players, or yeah, teams. I want to say Wally Joyner. I think that he got hit with a battery uh, or a bunch of batteries way, way back. I mean, we're talking late '80s uh, at Yankee Stadium. So we've seen that. Lupinell, I remember taking the, the Mariners off the field with the Yankees and Seattle having their issues and, you know, Oh yeah. People... We saw it recently with the Yankees Remember and with the, right. uh, with Miles, was it Miles straw? Uh, with, with Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. You know, taking the players off the field with people throwing stuff on the field right. that, yeah, unfortunately we have seen that. But Actually, still, yeah. not like not leapfrogging the wall and going to punch a player. I mean, you're right. Maybe there are instances where we're forgetting, but you see that and it's just like, a, you think to yourself, man, that's scary. And B, I'm thinking, how does this not happen more often? I worry that now that somebody's seen them do it, because we all know guys get onto the field or the court, they streak or they do something stupid. Now somebody sees a video like this happening overseas, you know one idiot in this country is going to think, oh, you know what, I'm going to yeah. go the next player that I'm ticked off at uh, for leaving my team or beating my team 
and do something stupid. That's why you can't blame any players. Like, if a guy gets near you, they're going to knock them out. And didn't that happen now that I'm thinking about it? Didn't that happen on the NBA for uh, maybe Well, there was a protest that got onto the court last year. I thought somebody, like, went charging. A few of them, actually. I thought somebody went charging a player and the guy just... Well, the security guard, there was one, there was a lady that was, it was like two in a row. There was somebody that chained themselves to the stanchion, like the backboard or whatever. And then there was a woman that looked like this. She was about to start some sort of whatever protest and the security guard saw her and beat her like to the point where as soon as she got off at her chair, she got about two feet. Right. He got her right away. He he saw it coming. Yeah. And he he was able to tackle her and stop her from getting on the floor. But she had something like something on her shirt that was... Underneath that she was trying to unveil and she wanted to protest right, but I'm something. Talking about like if they if they're able to evade the security guard and get close to the player, right? Like you get to the wrong athlete, they're gonna knock that person out, and, and they rightfully should. I mean, uh, right? I, if a player does it, we can never blame. Like I don't care if the fan running like something wrong happens and they pass away. You you come charging at an athlete, they have every right to drop you. I'm showing Marco the video now here, see if you can see it on Twitter. Look at this guy, hops the barricade, boom, hits the player, and then he runs away like a, a scared little coward. Yeah, you ain't kidding. And look at the closing speed. I mean, jeez. You're lucky you're wrong until the, the teammate of the guy might come yeah, and my... beat the living daylights out of you. Oh, what did well, I just Well, do? but I mean, like, not for nothing, you, you went after a soccer player. You think you're going to be able to run away? Yeah, right. <laughs> Good luck with right, that. This fat, out-of-shape guy. <laughs> Amazing how he was able to even hop the fence. But this guy challenging this soccer player, and what do you like? What are you thinking, dude? You're going to be thrown in jail. Oh, he did give him a, a punch yeah, he, there. Yeah, he got him pretty good. And look at this closing speed right here. Boom. Oh, security guard almost kind of looked like he dodged it. it. Was like, you know what? Yeah, go ahead, get your one lick in. I'll go get him after that. I mean, that is unbelievable and and scary at the same time that that could happen. And you know, there's just. And we've seen it a little bit with wrestling, too. Maybe that's what I was thinking about. We've seen it with wrestling. Fans jump in on the ring and try to take on, uh, you know. Really? Uh, yeah. You've never seen that? Jump the barricade? I mean, that's happened a couple of times. You during, take on a wrestler? During live events. Yeah, these eight people. I mean, how are, drunk are you? Yeah, right. People are idiots. Yeah. It's a good it, reminder, though, when we think, like, if someone says, oh, well, if they come on the field, they're streaking. If it's harmless, you know, why do they tackle these guys so hard? Remember the guy in the World Series in Philly? The young kid got tased all those years ago. Mm-hmm. That uh, that might have been the Yankees and Phillies World Series. That might have been 2009, but it was definitely the, in Philadelphia. Like you wonder, well, why do they act so the aggressively? Field, yeah. Because you don't know what that person's planning. They might be trying to run over to a player, and you might have some lunatic out there that is annoyed at Jacob Degrom for leaving the Mets when he comes back with Texas. Don't next give year. him any ideas, right, leagues. Yeah. Or, right. Or listen, <laughs> but a couple years ago, I remember there were people like saying at the time, like. So an Islander fan might be thinking to do something stupid when John Tavares yeah. returns, and thankfully it never got to that physical point. But that's why the security guards close. are so aggressive when they take you down. Well, it can't really happen in hockey because of the boards. Well, between the boards and the fact that you're on ice, I mean, it's kind of hard to run after somebody Correct. when you're running on ice. Correct. So uh, hockey should be safe from what we're talking about here. Everything else, though, and football, we've and seen it. Like I said, the easiest. Think about how many people yeah. sit courtside yeah. right there. Yeah, they're sitting right there. You saw the video uh, the other night of the, and this was a young fan, so nothing like that was going to happen. But she's sitting there enjoying the game, and LeBron just comes and sits next to her right. because he's not active that night. Like these people have, I mean, right? Well, have you noticed, right there. Have you seen that the? I mean, all the the score that Mike Breen, Walt Clyde Fred, like the meta score, they changed it. They moved it from one side to the other to be able to open up more seats on the near side. If you're watching it on TV, Mike Breen and Walt Clyde Frazier are now on the far side. They're basically behind Thibodeau. 
so they can't see. I remember Mike Breen a couple times saying it earlier in the year, like, we have to actually have to look through. They move the... the yeah, they move the whole broadcasting yeah. table, and it's basically the size of the two guys. Like, there's there's no room for it but to be able to open up more courtside seats. why give it to the broadcaster where we can make, uh, you know, thousands more money. of dollars on it, right? So Mike Breen and Walt Clyde Frazier actually now look around... Thibodeau, and they, I, I remember Breen making a joke about it on the air. Hey, Tips, are you ever going to sit down at any point? And he's like, I'm making you a better broadcaster. So you have to look around me to try to figure it out. Let's see Gus in New Jersey. Gus, what do you got for us? Hey, Tal, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Gus. What's on your mind? All right. So uh, a little bit of history about what you were just talking about, that uh, the fan jumping into the field. So he, uh, that player used to play for the team, uh, the other team, the other side. And on the final, about a year about a year ago, he missed the penalty kick on the final. And so fans don't forgive, you know, they can't forgive him for this. And so he transferred out after that. This is the first time he's going back to that field where he used to play. The day before the, the, the whole incident happened, he got hackled at the hotel. You know, he's yelling back and forth with the fans. And then the next day, the whole incident happened. I'm actually from Colombia, and so... I follow this whole thing. And so one of the things that we talk about is imagine if this guy actually had a knife. And he could have killed him. Player. He could have killed him, absolutely. And so, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment that something like this. The actually, actual guy, the, the fan, he just got released from prison because there is no an actual law that can keep him in prison for a very long time. And so even though this whole thing happened, there's a bunch of videos where he's coming out of the, uh, as he's being arrested, People actually applauded him, and it's just such an embarrassment. Right, and he, and he knew, and thank you, Gus, for bringing some context to it. See, I knew that he returned to the team that he used to play for. I did not realize that he missed, I guess, a, a big kick the year before. That'd Fans be hard, angry. but I, like whatever athlete where we hate the most, if somebody did that to an athlete that I can't stand, and Lord knows there's a lot of them. You'd hate the person, I, not I would the, hate the Like, and the fact that people are clapping for him, cheering him. No, throw the person who did that in a cell with no windows or light for the rest of their life. Oh, agreed. See, yeah, doesn't matter how much person. you, like, you talk a lot about sports hate versus real hate. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. I think you just nailed it, please. I couldn't have said it better myself. The, there's a way to stop this and end the threat. If you are on a sports field during a live event or whatever, if you leap the barricade to get onto a, to a sporting event, you're in jail for life. Now, people go, oh, you can't do that. That's harsh. You know what? It'll make some knucklehead think twice before he hops that barricade to go charge a player. You think life's a little harsh? All right, 25, 30 years. You're going to do, I don't care how many beers you have. You know what? You'll have some sense enough to not leap the barricade and go chase down a player. You can, And to Fleeg's point, it shouldn't even be if you contact the player. If you're on the field... If you jump over the wall and get onto the field of play, you're in prison. That's it. Add to the league. You're in prison for years. Not a couple of days or a day and then you get released. You can't have that. Because what would prevent somebody from doing that again if this guy's already out? Nothing. Especially if morons are applauding him. Oh, look, this guy's famous. He's viral. He's a hero. Other people are going to want to do the same thing. There's got to be a rule or a law put into place that says if you get caught doing this, I don't care if you touch a player or not, you're going to prison for a long time. End of story. That will protect the safety of the athletes because otherwise this could get out of control. The world's already out of control as it is. I think the biggest problem, I mean, there's so much There's so much that everybody does just for clout and social media nonsense clout. So you never know. You, you, 
You add in the two things. One, alcohol, and you get you know the stupid people like that. And then two, people that just want attention. They but just like, enjoy the intention. I, I hate to even bring this up. And, and you're right, they do. But God forbid, like, well, like we've had, obviously, shootings, right? And, and obviously, the Michigan State one right. recently. What, what, what? I mean. I don't know. I don't even want to go there, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, like, come on. What, what, what the, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And we're going down that slippery slope where it's just, it's again, like, well, what, you know, like Fleek said, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, what are we doing? It's, it's, it it might be even scarier, again, that there were people applauding it because if it's, you know, it's one guy, it's one nut job, it's bad, but it's contained. The fact that there are other fans that think, yeah, good for this guy, like cheering that, like, you're you're a parent. You have a young kid that sees you cheering that. Like this is real what, life. What could that kid grow up and then think? It's real life. It's one thing to verbally abuse an athlete. A- an athlete should never ever have to think about this stuff when they're out there playing a game. You want to boo somebody. You want to you know get on somebody. That that's fine. That's Call fine. them whatever you want. Yeah. And even that, I thought you know, Fleegs, your point before about Tavares when he came back. I thought that the Islander fans crossed the line that night. It was nasty. It was personal, but it wasn't physical. And you could say whatever you want. It may not be the greatest look in the world. It may not be something that I would do. It may not be something that should be acceptable in society. But whatever. You want to act like that? Go ahead. You can't cross the line ever to a physical level. And to have people cheering that, you're right. That's even more scary because then they think it's acceptable. And we have people cheering the verbal stuff, too. Like, there are people that send death threats to college kids because they mess up a play. Like Right, because they call somebody money with a missed kid. 19 years old. And you're sending death threats. Or think about the stuff that got sent to Dak Prescott this year. Well, I, I, People just send the most horrifying stuff, and they think this behavior is okay. Sal, you just hit on something, too, because they lost money on something. That's the other. Again, there's there's a little pieces of aspects. Whether it's the alcohol, gambling. I mm. mean, there's... To it's get you to a level of that. Yeah. Anger. I mean, again, I mean, you're talking about if you have an issue with gambling, and you're talking about a lot of money... You got misplaced anger that could wind up being in there. Yeah, these are a lot of things that, that go on and, you know, it, look, going I get, down this slippery slope here. But. Right, and I get sports could get you angry. I mean, I, I've been there before, get you frustrated. <laughs> Goose frob. Call Sports Talk Radio to vent, 877 That's what we're here for. Don't jump the barricades. Call us and vent. Goose Fraba. 877-337. You remember that uh, from Anger Bring Management? Bring it back to Clemens. Fraba. I didn't see you that. You got to dunk that bleep. You got to dunk that bleep. And it's Goose Fraba. Goose Fraba. John Totoro, our, our buddy. I know, but I, I didn't mean, see I know it. Nick, but. I didn't see that. You didn't that. see no. that? Oh, you've obviously seen that, Fleeks, right? Of course. Many times. A great, come on. It's a great one. I got to watch that it again. It bothered me that Clemens, who I hated at the time. Like, this is 2003, 2004. Right. Maybe my least favorite person on earth. I'm a kid, so you don't have anything else to care about. And that he has that funny line in the movie, Goose Fraba, at the end, like, no, let Jeter do that. Stay out of this, Roger. (laughs) Right, I don't want to ever like Roger Clemens. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.